Hello and welcome to BDO's Tax Bite, our tax podcast for the UAE. My name is Brian Conn and I'm joined by my regular co-presenters, Amrita Chandwani and Mufadil Safdari. Amrita, Mufadil, welcome. Hi, Hi Brian. Brian. Now, this is the third of our podcasts, and if anybody who's listening in now wants to listen to the earlier editions, you can find them and download them on our website. In this month's podcast, we're going to be talking about tax and the UAE free zones. It's one of those areas that often causes confusion. So we're going to look at the implications across all the taxes, VAT, ESR, and the planned corporate tax. But before we do that, uh, we should have a quick update on the state of play with corporate tax, as there have been some reports recently that the law is to be released soon. Um, Mufadal, what have we heard? Uh, Brian, there has been a local, in the new, local newspaper, there has been an announcement that the law will be released uh, soon, and that is uh, by the end of August. And now we have a couple of days left to see whether the law actually gets released or not. Uh, but uh, it is still rumored that it will be somewhere in uh, mid-September. Uh, but I think there has not been an official confirmation or there has not been anything on the Ministry of Finance uh, website or any of their uh, respective uh, news channels. So I think we'll have to wait and watch uh, that when the actual law will be published and released. Yeah, OK, so this was just one report in in one one newspaper then. Yes, exactly. OK, OK, well, um, we will be watching that with interest and of course, when there is any more news, um, we'll be looking at it and we'll be obviously getting our views out to um, our clients and everybody else through our website and social media. So let's turn to the, the main topic for today, the free zones. Now, as I said at the start, this is often an area where there's confusion and misunderstanding about how tax and the free zones interact it's different for, for every tax. So let's go through them one at a time. And to give some context um, as we go through, I'll, I'll get Amrita and Mufadal to give us some insight into the sort of things that we commonly see going wrong. We'll also give some thoughts about what, what you can do to make sure that you don't run into any of these problems. We'll start with VAT. This was something that gave lots of problems when VAT was first brought in. And, and I remember that there were lots of businesses that expected there was some sort of general relief for free zones under VAT, which, of course, was never going to be the case. To kick things off, Amrita, um, can you just give us a brief overview of how the free zones and VAT interact? Yes, Frank. So, the free zones under VAT are called designated zones. These are areas which are fenced and have custom control to monitor the entry and exit of individuals and also the movement of goods. All the free zones in UAE are not designated zones as per VAT and only free zones which meet these specific conditions are declared by the FTA as designated zones. There's a separate cabinet decision released by the FTA to identify the designated zones under VAT. 
the special relief or treatment which is available to designated zones is that the sale of goods within the designated zone and between the designated zones is considered as outside the scope of VAT, subject to certain conditions. However, this special status is not provided to any services provided within the designated zone. So the services would be taxable as it would be taxable in the rest of UAE. Another key uh, or we can say a special treatment which is available to designated zone is regarding import and export of goods into the designated zone. For example, if you are importing any goods into the designated zone, you will not be liable to pay VAT under reverse charge mechanism. Uh, if you do not meet the conditions of these uh, designated zone provisions, you will be liable to pay VAT and these or the normal registration rules under VAT will apply. Yeah, I think to just to add on to Amrita's point, I think uh, she talked about the supplies of designated zone. I think one of the most important thing should also be about the documentation that it carries. So any supply of goods within the designated zone is considered as outside the scope having a proper documentation in place. So if you don't have a declaration uh, from your customer that it is not going to be uh, consumed or it is going to be consumed, then the treatment follows that how, uh, what is the status that you receive or the confirmation that you receive from your customer. And consumed is very broad. So it can be, uh, you can think about that if, uh, whether the consumption means that it is into the production of your new, uh, uh, new product so that that should not be considered the same so production is considered as different and consumption uh, should be considered as different so having a right documentation when you are in the uh, designated zone is a critical and very important point uh, Amrita just to add on a question uh, you did mention that the supply between the designated zone should also be outside the scope uh, what does it mean when it comes to documentation if we are moving from one designated zone let's assume which is in dubai to another designated zone which is in Sharjah, what kind of a documentation we need to maintain so the standard documentation is the customs uh, certificate or customs declaration which shows that the goods have moved from one free zone to another free zone which is designated zone in as per vat and um, supported with a declaration that you are following the customs procedures and you're not releasing the goods in the mainland for consumption to substantiate that you're meeting the conditions. Brilliant, thank you. And I'm, I'm going to just um, just take Mufadal back just very briefly. You mentioned this point about um, goods being consumed um, in the designated zone. Um, uh, as a condition around um, having the relief, not having to charge VAT on the supply of those goods. Can, can you just confirm exactly what the, the rule is? Because I'm not sure it was absolutely clear when you do and when you don't get the relief. Sure. I think when goods are consumed, okay, then you do not get any relief. So that is not considered as outside the scope, but you need to charge VAT on that particular supply. However, if you have got a declaration from your customer that it is going to be used either in the production 
or it is going to be further resold, then in that case, uh, you can consider that supply as outside the scope. Uh, one of the important thing that uh, we need to or the businesses need to think about is the declaration the documentation because at the end of the day the owners will be on the supplier and not on the customer so if you do not get the proper declaration from your customer then it will actually tamper or it will have an impact on the business or the supplier who is making or taking a decision on what the VAT treatment needs to be so all the businesses within the designated zone needs to be careful about their documentation processes. Brilliant, thank you. And, and just to reiterate, documentation on all of these transactions is incredibly important, whether it's um, bringing the goods into the, the designated zone, um, exporting, transporting between uh, designated zones. You've got to have the documentation and it's got to be available for if the FTA comes and, and does a tax audit. And I think it's one of the, the biggest problems we see with tax audits, that people haven't got the evidence that they need to demonstrate that something has happened. Um, it's not just the designated signs. VAT is a, a tax that, that runs on, on documentation, but um, it's something, you know, it always needs to be thought about and, and making sure you've got the right documentation. Now, Amrita um, mentioned that all designated zones are free zones, but not all free zones are designated zones. So we've got a list and that list is from time to time updated, isn't it? There have been few updates to the designated zone list back in 2019 and uh, mid-2021, where some of the new designated zones were added and some were discontinued. They are no longer designated zone. So it's very important to be updated with a designated zone list because if you are in a designated zone or, or a free zone, which is no longer a designated zone as per VAT, you need to make necessary changes from VAT perspective. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. Um, any general problems that we're seeing a lot of um, recently with the designated zones? Uh, yes, actually, there has been or there was a clarification back in October 2021 last year where they uh, clarified that how uh, the designated zone uh, should be charging uh, VAT on the tax on the transaction when it is supplied to a mainland so earlier there was lots of confusion on how the designated zone businesses are to be sub, uh, if they are supplying it to mainland then how it needs to be treated so that public clarification actually gave a lot of insights uh, one of the major turnaround was that if the importer of record on the other hand is registered and is, uh, is registered for VAT and his name is appearing on the importer of record, then the supply from a designated zone to a mainland will be considered as outside, the, uh, outside of scope because your customer on the other end will be taking the VAT on a reverse charge basis. I have seen a lot of businesses still not following the public clarification and still charging the supply with 5% if based on the INCO terms, uh, which has been clarified a really long time back, but the businesses keeps on uh, doing such errors and probably that might be a double taxation. So which uh, FTA wanted to avoid and wanted to clarify with all the designated zone businesses that this is uh, the new way or the right way of now charging so that there is no double taxation. Uh, 
on the supply chain. So I think that's one of the biggest uh, thing that I have seen from the designated zone clarification. Indeed, and uh, something flowing from this is after this uh, clarification, uh, a lot of companies would now uh, consider their supplies as outside the scope and what they need to check is the deregistration criteria. They should keep an eye on, keep an eye on if they are meeting the voluntary registration threshold in the last 12 months. If not, they have to get deregistered from VAT. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we talked quite a bit about VAT. Let's move on to economic substance regulations, um, ESR. I remember when ESR first came in, there was lots of confusion about how it was going to act, interact with um, the free zone rules and what the implications might be. Um, lots of people were worrying about it. Um, but Amrita, um, how does it all work and um, what is the relevance of being in a free zone for um, ESR? Actually, uh, ESR does not have a special treatment for free zones. It is equally applicable to entities incorporated in UAE mainland, free zone, or any offshore uh, jurisdiction. So ESR is applicable to any legal entity in UAE. It can be a free zone entity, it can be a free zone company, or it can be a LLC company. It will be equally applicable to all of them if you are doing a relevant activity under ESR. One of the uh, other factors, one of the other issues which we came across uh, when ESR was introduced is people were only looking at what was mentioned in their free zone license. So if there is an activity which is approved activity as per the license, they were only looking at those activities while assessing whether they are doing a relevant activity under ESR or not. But under ESR, you have to consider substance over form. So even if you are doing something uh, which is not there on your uh, license, you may fall under the scope of ESR if that activity is considered as relevant activity. Yeah. And just to just to add on uh, to Amrita's point, uh, what I have seen is that uh, most of the businesses, uh, they have interpreted ESR in a different way when it comes to deadline. They thought that it is a one-off thing and it is not a recurring activity. So businesses in 2019 when ESR was implemented, that is the time they had taken an action on the ESR notification and reporting. But after that, they have just been silent and there has not been any uh, updates or, or notification or reporting that they have done to the authorities. So with this, I think I just wanted to inform all the businesses that it is a recurring activity and ensure that you are reassessing your ESR each year, and if you are following under the ESR category, then you have to uh, file the notification and do the ESR reporting. And with that in mind, we have the ESR deadlines approaching as well, where for the financial year uh, ended at September 2021, the ESR reporting deadline is by the end of September 2022. And for the financial year ended March 2022, the ESR notification deadline will be September 2022. So uh, businesses, they need to ensure that they are uh, watching the timelines and ensuring that they are submitting their notification or reporting well before the timeline uh, and not at the last day. As we have seen, sometimes the system gets overwhelmed and it, it has a lot of lagging. So make sure that you file well before in time. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks, Mufado. 
Um, finally, let's just have a quick look at corporate tax again. We, we've talked about this in past podcasts, and of course, we we don't have the final law yet, so we don't know what the the rules will be. But when the new CT was announced, there were some specific references to uh, free free zones and the fact that um, free zone companies that have promises or guarantees from their free zones regarding tax, those promises um, will be honoured, they, they will be maintained. So, for example, some companies have entered into leases that says there will be no taxes on them for 50 years. The Ministry of Finance has confirmed that they will be honoured, but, of course, with conditions. Um, Mufado, we haven't really heard anything new on that, but any comments to 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 make on on that? Yeah, I think, uh, as you rightly said, that we have spoken about this in our previous podcast as well. Uh, there are there is no news or update from the free zones uh, about what and how this condition needs to be met, nor with the Ministry of Finance that they have provided an update. But uh, just taking into account that uh, free zone getting 50 years or maybe more than that benefit of from direct tax. I think the important part would be the restructuring and thinking about the uh, group holistically that to what are the how many entities that you have, where are they placed, whether they are in free zones, whether it is in mainland, which are the entities who are making uh, profits, which entities are making losses, whether it's a mix in both free zone and mainland. And I think that's where uh, the businesses needs to understand and see the restructuring, because if they are into free zone and they are making losses uh, and they are also an exempt business uh, in terms of from the corporate tax and they have a mainland entity, which is a profitable uh, business. Uh, UA does provide uh, tax grouping conditions, There is a, which is called as first community. Unfortunately, both cannot be clubbed if you have a tax exemption and then there is a business who is a profitable. So that cannot be merged in order to net off your tax losses with the profitable business. So you need to rethink and see what are the best practices that will be available, how best it can be managed. Though the laws and the regulations are not out yet, but based on the public consultation paper, I think it gives a little bit of insight that how businesses should start thinking on what the procedures and what the structuring should look like. So I think that's where businesses needs to focus on right now. Yeah, I think some of those group issues could be quite complex. And I think that's one of those areas where the larger groups really should be starting to think about this sort of thing very early. Um, we know something about how the the, the free zones and, and the tax will interact and and businesses can start to think about it now and certainly as soon as the the law is out um there is an exercise that really needs to be done to make sure you know what the rules are and and to make sure that um you're dealing with the tax in the most efficient way anyway um that's probably all we have time for now so um Thank you, Amrita and Mufadal. Uh, we hope everybody listening in has enjoyed the podcast and found it interesting. The next one will be released at the end of September, and we will look forward to talking to you again then. And, and hopefully by then we might even have some draft law on corporate tax. So I, I imagine that will be our main topic of discussion. Anyway, we, we look forward to speaking to you again then. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you.